This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. You know, when a man's on trial for his life, it's best to have a good listen to what he has to say. Most of us would have very little to say, we'd be so terrified. But we're talking here about the Lord Jesus, and the Lord Jesus says things that are important. Think about it, he's standing before Pilate, who, as far as Pilate's concerned, has the choice of life or death for him. He can let him go, or he can uh, condemn him to death. So what Pilate asks him and what the Lord Jesus answers is, is fundamentally important to us. So, first of all, he says, well, are you the king of the Jews? Verse 33 of chapter 18. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus has asked him, well, do you know this of yourself or have others told you? And Pilate quite rightly really says, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus simply says, well, I have a kingdom that's coming, but it's not now of this world, or as modern translations will put it, of this age. So, verse 37 is what we really want to have a look at. Art thou a king then? And Jesus answers, thou sayest that I am a king. And I should say, as, as Brother Alan read from, I think, the New King James Version, thou sayest correctly, that I am a king to this end was I born and for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth everyone that is of the truth hears my voice and so that's it you think of the circumstances here this is the background to it that everyone that hears that, that I bear witness to the truth now Pilate you might think cynically says, well, verse 38, what is truth? Actually, I suspect it wasn't cynically at all, because Pilate didn't know. He couldn't know. He didn't have evidence to understand whether this was a, the truth or not that, that the Lord Jesus taught. One thing does come out, doesn't it, quite strongly. In fact, verse the end of verse 38, his, his judgment is, I find in him no fault at all. If you look in the next chapter, he says it twice more. Jesus is there for their envy and spite, not because he deserved death. So, he says, I've come to bear witness to the truth. If you think about that, that's a fundamentally important thing, and especially, I would say, with regard to, let's just say, religion. How many religions are there in the world? Well, I don't know that we could ever count them. So many people believe in a god or many gods still, and uh, a great many believe in the, the, well, they say that they do, in the God of the Bible and uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. How come then that so many who do profess Christ have so many different beliefs? Does that make sense? So, so here, here's the challenge. Can there really be many truths? But Jesus, Jesus talks about the truth. He doesn't talk about truths. 
I came to witness to the truth. And I think the point to make here is that it isn't Les Bailey that's saying this. It's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. If we profess to believe in him, then we should be listening. And the other question is, does any amount of sincere belief make something true? There was a time when certain groups of people believed that the earth was flat. And if they went too far in a boat, they might fall off the end. And did it make it true? I know it's a daft example, but they did believe it. There were those who thought that the earth was the centre of the universe and actually punished people who said that the earth went round the sun and was by no means the centre of the universe. And again, you might think it's a silly example. Believing it didn't make it true. But again, I'd like to emphasise, you mustn't and cannot listen to me what we've got to do is listen to the Lord Jesus and that's what we're going to do we're going to look at some of the things that he's had to say relevant to what we're talking about there'll be two things going along one, remember that it's the challenge and importance of truth so the challenge is going to be there as well as uh, the truth or the references to the truth So, would you like to turn with me, please, to John chapter 8? John chapter 8. Now, Jesus almost, one could think, was obsessed with this thought of truth. Because he uses the word so often. So let's have a look at verse uh, 30, few verses. As Jesus spake these words, many believed on him, and said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Because that raises a lot of things. A, two, he says the truth twice. But he also says that the truth will make you free. And the question is then, isn't it, free from what? So let's go on, because the answer's here. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? Now, just a little point there, that in fact they were in bondage to the Romans. They hadn't acknowledged it in their minds, but they were. The Romans were in charge. Jesus answered them, verse 34, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You see that what he's saying is, He's already said the truth can make you free and what it will make you free of is this being a servant of sin. And that has its consequences as as we shall find out. So, um, so there's two things, isn't it? The word will make you free and he then goes on to say if the son therefore shall make you free you shall be free indeed. And that's what we need to aim for then, I, I would suggest to you. 
Now, interestingly, that business about being a slave to sin is picked up by the Apostle Paul in Romans. And in fact, uh, you could quite really see that the Apostle knew what the Lord Jesus had said as he'd read it in the Gospels. So Romans chapter 6, verse 16. And you'll see quite how precisely Paul picks up that's what Jesus had to say and perhaps it's worth noting now how well the scriptures hang together there is always in the scriptures an answer to the questions we may have or which may crop up it's a matter of finding them of course so verse 16 know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are to whom ye obey whether of sin unto death by sin leading to death or of obedience unto righteousness but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you now in effect he's saying that form of truth isn't he it's equating doctrine with truth Excuse me, verse 18, then being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Now, if you get a chance at home, please read on there. But I just want to look at the last uh, couple of verses. Picking it up again. Being now made free from sin, and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end everlasting life. And here's a crucial statement that you, you want to think about. Have it in your mind. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, if we are now the servants of sin, well, sin, the wages of that sin is death. We all understand about wages, don't we? get paid once a week, once a month or something for the job that we do. Here he's equating it to, this, to sin. Sin gives us also wages but in this case it's death. And, but he contrasts that because Jesus has said the truth will make you free from sin um, with this the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and I think that's the challenge. It's a gift no mention that we already have it it's to be given to us and I'm not going to leave it there we will keep coming back to that so let's go to John 14 now this is just a, a little example really and it may well ring bells with you if you, if you know the first couple of three verses of this um, certainly from my days at Sunday school a long time ago uh, we used to know this very well so, um, I really don't need to read it all, and don't want to read it all for the, ti for the time. But um, he says in verse 4, Where I go, Jesus is saying this, you know, and the way you know. Now, Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus says to him, I am the way. 
Well, that's what he could have said. He could have simply answered Thomas and said, I am the way. But he doesn't. The Lord Jesus is perfectly clear to us all. Yes, of course, he is the way, but he doesn't stop there. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See how much he links together himself, who put pointing the way for us, the truth, now I don't know how many, that's four or five times we've already mentioned it, he has mentioned it, not me, and the life, and when in the scriptures they talk about the life, it means eternal life. So, uh, again, tiny example, but it does show you precisely how much the Lord Jesus uh, un thinks that knowing the truth is important. So, again, we're going to look in Timothy now, because the apostles understood perfectly what the Lord Jesus said about these things. And now what we're going to do is going to look at an example of people who believe this truth, and an example of people who don't. And that's really very important for all of us. So first of Timothy, uh, chapter 2. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour. <laughs> and I want you to pay attention, please, now to this. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth now you can't get away from the fact that what he is saying is he want, God wants men to be saved but that is related to the truth knowledge of the truth and he then goes on to give a perfect example of the truth where he goes on to say for there is one God and one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle brackets I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity and that's an old fashioned word and it means truth so the apostles have picked up the, the mantle if you like of the Lord Jesus and are carrying on teaching the truth because they understand perfectly its importance to us but if you turn over to the next letter second of timothy chapter 2 we will find that it's possible to go astray from the truth and its consequences are dire second of timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 and this is uh, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. So he's, he's giving him uh, some, some guidance, if you like, in verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's a rather an odd English expression, isn't it? But it means not making something out of what's not there, dividing it correctly the word of truth so here we go we're on the same thing again but shun 
profane and vain babblings for they will increase unto more ungodliness and their word will eat as doth a canker or cancer we'd say in modern English of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus who concerning the truth have erred saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some so does that clearly delineate how we should be about the truth the one will give us salvation but we go away from it and it takes away faith and incidentally what it also tells us is that one aspect of that truth is that there will be a resurrection of the dead part of the things to be believed so it's a fundamental belief now I think we've probably said enough for now believe it or not that's the introduction Aaron is going to read for us uh, John chapter 4 verses 1 to 26 reading from the gospel of John chapter 4 verse the first 26 verses Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, What is it that, thou, what is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it, who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then did, do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, Believe me, the hour is coming when ye will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, 
when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So what kind of a shock do you think it was for that woman when he says, I am the Messiah that you know about? And what he says to her, of course, is, is again, mightily important, both to her and to us. I'm not going to try to explain this fully, but in verse 14, uh, we find her asking about if she could have this water which Jesus has said. He said in verse 10, If you had asked of me, I would have given thee living water. Strange expression, isn't it? Living water. And so Jesus explains a bit more in 13 and 14. Whoso drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now again, do you see that the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, if I give you this water, you can have everlasting life. I'm not going to try to explain now what this water is. Uh, but, but it's there for us to, to ask about and to question and to see that everlasting life has to be given by one means or another. And to prove the, all that business about her husband is simply to prove to her who, he, who Jesus is. Some interesting words then in verse 21. Oh, verse 20, let's see what the woman says. Our fathers worship in this mountain and you, that is the Jews, say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And having then tells her that it's going to change, everything's going to change. It won't be here or in Jerusalem that we should worship the Father. And But now he makes a, a demanding statement. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. I want you to remember that little bit about not knowing who they worship. But this is the point, perhaps, of our whole reading of that. Because what does he then say? Remember, I can't emphasise this enough. This is not Les Bailey. I might have opinions about a lot of things, but opinions are nothing. What we want is what the Lord Jesus Christ says to us. The hour come is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Now isn't that brilliant? Think lots of little things for us there. First of all, he talks about true worshippers. Now it's perhaps difficult to contemplate, or think about even, but it certainly says that there are some who are not true. The true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, and the Father is looking for them, those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, it must be important then. God wants us to worship him knowing his truth. 
And if you wanted to be really sure about it, it's, Jesus says it again in verse 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. No choices. Why are there no choices? Because as Lord Jesus has already said, the truth shall make you free. Some other truth, in inverted commas, cannot make you free. What does he mean then when he talks about in spirit and in truth? Well, we won't look it up, uh, but in John chapter 6 we find the Lord Jesus talking about his own words. And he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So when he talks, when he here talks about people worshiping, worshiping God in spirit and in truth, he's talking about those words that are uttered, actually not only by Jesus, but by everyone who, who God inspired to write this book. To worship the Father in spirit means in the spirit of this word, knowing its truth. How important is it then? It's clear to me already, but we're not stopping there, that knowledge and belief of the truth of the Bible is bound up with our salvation from sin and death. We've seen those phrases used. We've found that the Lord Jesus is saying it to us, not anybody else let's remind ourselves if you hear my word you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free so just how challenging then is this truth how are we to find out its truth well let's answer the second question first because there is only one answer the truth is contained in this book it's contained in the words that the Lord Jesus Christ told us and his disciples because they, as we've seen, demonstrated from the scriptures that they understood what he said and repeated it themselves. Now, I won't deny that there's a bit of a challenge in reading this book. I don't know how many of you read other kinds of books but if you read, I don't know, a trilogy of some author, it might just as well be as thick as this. And you might sit down and you'd read it. Now, it requires diligence to read this book. But it can be read. The answers to this question of what is truth is in here. So, that's it, I'm afraid the answer is to read this book now why do I place emphasis on that I'm, I'm sure that anyone here will help you to read this book but the important thing is as I've said so many times already that it isn't anything about what Christadelphians say it is a lot about what Christadelphians believe because we try our best to believe this truth but in the end you have got to believe this truth 
not just us if you want to have eternal life first of all just look at one more John chapter 17 what about knowing God do you remember that Jesus said to the, to the woman at the well you don't know who you worship now that was a challenge and a half to her because they thought they worshipped the God of the Jews but he's, Jesus says you, know, you don't know him so how important is it that we should know him John chapter 17 Verse, few verses these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said father the hour is come excuse me glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him and this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent now that is those are clear words there's no mystery attached to those words this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true God so there's only one though there are people who believe in many gods even today but the Bible says, Jesus says, there is only one. And, and that we've got to know him as well, Jesus Christ himself as well. And all that is bound up in life eternal. And Jesus says, verse 2, As thou hast given him, that is Jesus, power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him now I think this is perhaps where the real challenge lies we must now have seen three or four examples where it's quite clear that eternal life is not something we have in our possession but something that we can have something that surely we would love to have now maybe you'll say to me well I don't want it now not with this body that creaks and groans well at least at my age it does Patrick's doesn't I mean he's still young and can manage alright no don't want it like that I agree with you wholeheartedly but eternal life in a body that was perhaps made that is to be made like that of the Lord Jesus now now that's something to have isn't it So, how strong is this challenge then? I think it's a real one. Because a great many people believe they have already got in themselves immortality. Um, and it's hard when someone comes along and that someone isn't me. When the Lord Jesus comes along, if we will read his words, and says, Well, you have not got it. I can give it you. In fact, he's more than willing to give it to us. Now, a lot of. Now, you have to understand me now. Because I was not brought up as a Christian, and I was brought up in another church. 
and I used to believe like many do that I had an immortal soul and it was a bit of a challenge to say the least to find out that I didn't but um, do you know something believing you've got something that actually you really don't have doesn't serve any purpose at all but knowing the truth of what the Lord Jesus has said to us means that well, right, you needn't worry about not having an immortal soul because one day he will give you and me we pray and hope eternal life could be made like him but it depends on us it isn't just depending on him we've got to know the truth for it to make us free we've got to know the Lord God of heaven the true Lord God of heaven and his son to have eternal life but those are not insurmountable things with a bit of help perhaps but nevertheless reading this word for yourself you can find out that truth but wait a minute what about that phrase immortal soul because you see the funny thing about that is that nowhere in the whole of scripture does the phrase immortal soul appear so now you're not you don't need to work your way all the way through from the beginning to the end now if you've got a tablet computer or you know somebody who's who's got a Bible on it and who can search you younger people will know about these things sorry Patrick keep introducing you put in the search engine immortal soul and it's going to it won't take milliseconds it'll go all the way through these thousands of words and come back with no result and to me that's pretty powerful we talked about no amount of sincere belief makes something true and I know that's almost rude I, I realise that but supposing no not supposing let's take it that the Lord Jesus Christ is right when he says that you've got to know the truth and if you do you can be made free from sin and then be given the gift of life as it says at the end of Romans chapter 6 if that's true and the other is not true surely we were doing ourselves down to think no I'm going to carry on just because the Lord Jesus Christ says that I'm going to carry on with my belief in the immortal soul well where will that get us? Surely it's especially true if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we say that, yes, I believe he existed and that he tried his best to save us. Whatever we may think that means. Then, then we cannot ignore the words that he says. We cannot say, well, I like this bit and I don't like that bit. We've got to listen to him what does he say? he has the words of life so let's have a little summary 
I hope that you've been able to see a little bit how much the Bible hangs together. That Jesus talks about something and his disciples pick it up and take it a bit further for us to understand. The scriptures hang together brilliantly. You have to search them to find it out. But that is an indicator of, of its origin. That it comes from God and not from man. But we've learned other things. Truth alone can save and it's Jesus who tells us that we know, need to know about the true God as Jesus calls him as Jesus calls him and we know, need to know about Jesus and his relationship with God and that is bound up with being given eternal life I know that's a challenge I deliberately chose this talk the importance and challenge of truth because I've been through that and it can be an enormous shock but, but in the end the shock is nothing because you find out the truth and if the truth as the Lord Jesus Christ says can make us free can enable him to give us eternal life knowing the other stuff which actually didn't turn out to be true is not, is not material anymore what's material is the hope that the Bible gives us that the Lord Jesus Christ and his Father gives us now I'm sorry but it's over to you you have got to prove it for yourself not because I say so not because anybody here says so but because the Lord Jesus Christ and his God, his Father, say so from his book. Now you can prove it for yourself. I'm certain that I took me quite a long time, but did end up believing what we've talked about today. Jesus can give us eternal life, but he's not just going to hand it over. He wants us to find him, to find the truth. What does, God, what does he say to the woman? That God is seeking, seeking people to worship him in, I've forgotten the phrase, spirit and in truth. And I think it's highly likely he's looking for you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Christadelphians.org.uk.